Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thanks, Marie, for the great intro, and thank you, everyone, in the podcast universe for joining us for today's podcast. Well, it's spring. I know this because there's a lot of dust in the air right now. Uh, And, uh, of course, we also know this because the hottest fashions are rolling out of Milan and Paris and Roswell, New Mexico. What am I talking about? I'm talking about God's spring clothing line. All right, how's that for today's intro for the topic. Well, Sean, I'm glad to know that you are finally listening to my sermons. Uh, (laughs) Sunday, we looked at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, where Paul said, we are to clothe ourselves. Now, where you missed it, he wasn't talking about literal Milan Paris clothing. Uh, He was speaking of spiritual virtues uh, that we are to clothe ourselves in. You got close, Sean. Well, I'm just trying to keep people in stitches, that's all. So, And by the the way, if you missed uh, Rick's message, please, please stop what you're doing, unless you're driving, okay? Uh, Stop what you're doing. Make sure that you check out his message uh, by going to roswellgrace.com and just click on the watch uh, drop down. So now... Just as a reminder, so the virtues that you talked about are compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance, and love. Uh, And actually, you put together patience and forbearance. Um, These have a striking similarity, at least to me, to the fruit of the Spirit as described in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Is that just kind of a funny coincidence? No, that's a good catch, Sean. I'm glad you, uh, you caught that. I'm convinced these virtues um, were just ingrained in the Apostle Paul's spiritual DNA. Mm. Anytime he was talking about qualities of life in a Christian, these would pop up. Now, I personally don't think that Paul had a little three-by-five card in his pocket. On one side, it said, fruit of the Spirit, one through nine, (laughs) or... uh, these uh, uh, clothing yourself virtues, uh, one through seven, uh-huh. I think he probably tailored these to his audience. He, he probably knew the Colossian church needed these particular qualities. Uh, they needed to clothe themselves with these qualities. Hmm. But yeah, you're right. Uh, I think this was just a part of Paul's spiritual DNA. If we are going to live the Christian life, these are the kinds of virtues we need to put on. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny. As you were talking about that, I, I thought, yeah, he didn't write the letter thinking, you know, in 2021, you know, they're going to pick apart all my letters and uh, parse them out and, and go back to the original language and stuff like that. He didn't think that way. No. And we have to remember, Paul was a real person yeah. writing real letters to real churches who had real problems, and Paul is giving them real answers to those problems. So apparently the Colossians, these were, these might have been, of course, I I, I bet he still thought, generally speaking, but but he still thought, "Mm, they need to hear about these specific ones. Oh, I think so. And when you really dig into the end of chapter two and into chapter three, you can pick up on some of the the particular challenges, some of the false teachings mm. that they are having to combat. 
And these virtues, in many ways, um, they kind of answer the problem of uh, those false teachings. Hmm. Wow. And we always, if it's not a false teaching, it's just plain laziness or our own sinful sinfulness that's going to get us into problems. Yeah, and Colossians is all about growing, growing as Christians. That's why I entitled the series, Raising the Bar. Paul is challenging this particular church. Hey, you're at this level, but don't be content there. Right. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. And early, you know, in, in the letter, at the very end of chapter one, I mean, he makes it crystal clear that he is contending with all the energy of Christ to, to do what? To present everyone fully mature in wow. Christ. So not partially mature. Yeah. He wants them to be fully mature. So he is setting them on a road, giving them the virtues that will get them to that point. I love that. I appreciate you looking that up because I think, you know, what, what am I doing in the kingdom that I can say I'm exerting all my energy to making sure that you are hitting the highest bar possible in your life? I'm thinking, mm, I need to work harder. Here's the challenge of any leader. If you have people following you, what is your goal for those people? Yeah. Uh, is your goal, oh, I want them to serve me. Wow. Then you've missed the bar. You've missed the mark. Yeah. You've missed the bar. No, your goal is to to someday be able to present them, isn't that amazing, fully mature, what yeah. a word, fully mature in Christ. Wow. What a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So we just raise the bar on leadership. Okay. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I appreciate the fact that evidence in, in your title uh, about service, that, that clothes are meant to, I mean, usually flatter the figure of the wearer of the clothing, but for Christians are... Clothing, and I'm saying that with air quotes here, is meant to enhance the lives of other people. Um, you care to comment on that? What a paradox. In our secular culture, you're exactly right. We put on clothing to, to, to make ourselves look good. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to dress all. I want to dress for success. Yeah. I'm going to dress to impress other people. So people will look and say, wow, man, I love that jacket. Oh, I love those pants. That looks so sharp. Here's the paradox. Paul says, I want you as Christians to clothe yourselves with virtues that are really essential for serving others. Hmm. So all of a sudden, the focus is not on look at me, but how can I serve you? Yeah. What a paradox. Yeah. You know, we've, I've been to enough funerals with you to know that when a, a really wonderful servant passes away, that everybody talks about the virtues that they had, that they, they, in a sense, they wore their clothing well. Yeah. And, uh, and in the end, what's going to matter is when you hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant. Servant. Yeah. Servant. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's the finish line. Well done, good and faithful servant. These are the virtues that you need to serve others well. Wow. Don't go out naked, people. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, um, it, I think it's safe to say that that this is uh, a perfect outfitting of the child of God, right? That it, it's, as I'm looking at just this list, that it's not really missing anything, nor is it necessary to add anything. Is it safe to say that that God expects us to intentionally wear these attributes I mean, what what's wrong with us saying, well, you know, I, I got five or six of these. You know, can't God be just happy with that? I would say, Sean, uh, for example, my wife is a musician. Uh -huh. Can you imagine her as a flute player 
telling the conductor, well, you know, hey, listen, I got five out of six notes correct. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Can you imagine? Now, is she going to play perfectly? No musician is going to play perfectly, but they want to. Yeah. It's the intent. So you're exactly right. God expects us to intentionally wear these attributes. That's why I mentioned Sunday, I challenge people to every day when you go to your closet to get dressed physically, just to imagine you're also going to a spiritual wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And there are seven items of clothing in that wardrobe. And it is, okay, put on compassion. Okay, I'm going to have opportunities today to put on kindness. Mm -hmm. So I better put it on now and I'll be ready. If we would practice these seven virtues, can you imagine the impact Christians would have on their culture? Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I was thinking about that question, I thought that that seems to be the mentality of a lot of people. Instead of what what can I do absolutely perfect, it's what can I get away with, you know? And that's lowering the bar and not raising the bar. Yeah, on, the, on the back of my vitamin bottle, it says, you know, daily minimal requirement. Yeah. Many Christians live that. <laughs> it's like, okay, God, what is the least? What's the minimum? I have to do to, to squeeze into the kingdom of God. Yeah. What a lazy way to live. That's, That's true. That is no good. Yeah. God says, no, no, no. Don't look at the minimum. Raise the bar. Don't lower the bar. Raise the bar. It, I, I understand why some people might want to say that. It's like, well, I don't want to mess it up. If I mess up this opportunity to be compassionate or humble or, or um, some other, one of those other virtues... I might make the church look bad. I might I might make Jesus look bad. So maybe I should just not even show up. Yeah, just bury that talent. Yeah, you know, just bury it and don't use it. And I'm sure Jesus will be so proud when he comes back. <laughs> no, you know, I'm convinced, Sean. If we will put these into practice, for example, you mentioned compassion. God will honor that. Yeah. And you may not be perfect, but God will be honored in your effort. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think also, and we were discussing this earlier about how sometimes these virtues, they, they cause us to have to really work on ourselves. Um, for instance, if, if I'm not, if compassion is not something that comes to me naturally, well, I have to dig a little bit deeper and find out why, why is it that I enjoy maybe being a, a little cruel or being a little, not nice to people. Maybe... Sometimes we have to do the right thing by not being nice. That's not what I'm trying to say, but we have to work on issues in ourselves. Yeah, and if we never look at a list like this of these godly virtues, we'll just have blind spots. Yeah. And, and we won't realize, you know, I'm not a very humble person. But if you will meditate on the Word of God and spend time reading passages like this and and. Go through it and simply ask the question, you know, am I compassionate? When's the last time I showed kindness to someone? Mm. Sean, if you can't think of an example, uh, maybe that's a blind spot. It's been too long. You know, I can't remember the last time I was kind to anyone. I know when I was gruff and I know when I uh, yelled mm. at that guy who cut me off on Main Street. But yeah. see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's why the Word of God is living and active. It has a way of just cutting in and exposing those areas where we need to grow. Yeah. By the way, I just want you to know, I appreciate you 
getting out and uh, sweeping the dust and the leaves. Out. Oh. So I just so if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to you got to that lets you to serve. That's right. Yeah. By the way, I want you to. I didn't sin. I was tempted to oh. sin. When I heard that little voice, you know, you'll have to listen to the sermon, but when I heard that little voice, I, that was a temptation, and I quickly caught it and resisted. No, you, well, you should be proud of yourself. Oh, I am. I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm just amazed at myself. All right. Uh, hey, just to kind of uh, keep up with the, the, the metaphor a little longer, sorry. It, it, it just, they just flow. <laughs> uh, it, it seems that, that clothing has really long since stopped being just practical effects of modesty you know we 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 normally associate them with with fashion uh i can't think of anyone who would say that you know these virtues are are not important i really can't but i just don't see or maybe i should put it this way i'm observing like social media influencers entertainers talk show hosts actors actresses you know the really important people right uh, they seem to not see these as fashionable they love to attack they love to to dig up the dirt. They love to it really they really are it's like they enjoy being cruel to people. Yeah, they can be vicious. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the secular culture. Yeah. Sean, there was a time earlier in my life that even if people did not really want to develop these virtues in their life, uh they still, you know, kind of hid behind a curtain mm-hmm. of virtue. Well, the, the curtain uh, is open. Uh, we now see the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Self-centered, hedonistic, evil, cruel, cutting, gossipy. Mm. We see examples um, every day in our media where people are just mean mm-hmm. to one another. There's, there's no pretense of being compassionate, and compassionate or kind or gentle or patient with others. I believe it's just one more ripple effect of the secular culture. Mm, mm. So, Rick, um, Paul addresses the Colossians as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Do you think that he made that identification uh, on purpose? Absolutely. Uh, Paul knew a truth that we all need to learn, and that is the importance of identity. Mm. Uh, You will live up to or down to your identity. Mm. And so Paul is saying, listen, you are God's chosen people. So live up to it. Live up to that spiritual identity. You are holy and dearly loved. So go live that way. You You will always live up to or down to your identity. So if you, uh, if your identity is, well, I'm a loser, you will live down to that identity. You will behave according to the way you see yourself. Mm, wow, there's there's that that phrase, uh, no, noblesse oblige, or what is that called? It, it's the obligation uh, of the nobility. And so a long time ago, it was that that sense of, I must act in a way that is gracious because I am of, no, I'm of noble birth, mm. but... I might be of noble character, and so I'm thinking, you know, like that person, you know, the the the, the fictitious character that says, "Well, I, I'm getting five or six out of these." You know, what does God want? Perfection. Well, when we're thinking, as you were just saying, if, if I'm thinking, "Well, I'm a child of the King. I've been given much. I've been forgiven much. I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my very best to hit these." You're a child of God. Live like it. Yeah. Live up to that identity. Yeah. Um, 
Rick, I was, I was thinking about which of these virtues have Christians and the church historically had few problems with, and maybe which of these have we historically struggled uh, or failed uh, with? Can, what can we learn from this? As I look at the list, uh, compassion comes to mind as something I believe for 2,000 years the church has uh, historically done very well. Mm. It has, uh, in many, many cultures and at different places around the globe, it set the pace for compassion. Think about who built the hospitals, who yeah. built the, um, the all, all the orphanages, who mm -hmm. took care of the sick, who took care of the lepers. Uh, you look back, uh, who took care of when there was uh, pandemics in the early days. Yeah. Who took care of the people with all the different diseases? It was always the Christians who were the compassionate people. I think we've done historically very well with compassion. But I would say, Sean, we we have struggled probably with forgiveness mm. more than any other virtue. And I think not necessarily collectively, but individually. The number one virtue I hear people coming to me with is, Rick, I just can't forgive so-and-so. I can't forgive this person in my past who hurt me, abused me. And it's forgiveness is a challenge, uh, very difficult. Um, but it, one of the problems is, Sean, it... It's easy to forgive how much. Uh, it's easy to forget how much the Lord has forgiven yeah. us. Hmm. And isn't it interesting that so often, like in our passage this week, that the the biblical writers will make this connection. They will they will say we need to forgive. And then they'll add this as the Lord forgave you. It's amazing how mm -hmm. often that comes up. That you are to forgive. Why should I forgive this jerk? Well, the Lord forgave you when you were a jerk. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he gave you, forgave you a lot more than this guy That's right. has done to you. So we forget. It, it, if we can just remember how much the Lord has forgiven us, it's much easier to forgive others. And forgiveness, you know, just giving up the right to get even, doesn't matter mm -hmm. how you feel. It's just giving up that right to say, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to let it go. Yeah. I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to get revenge. Yeah. People struggle with that one, I think, more than any of the other virtues. Wow. Wow. And I I really see that. I, I see, while you were talking, I, I thought about the word uh, magnanimous. We don't use that term a lot. Uh, but it's a great it, word. It, it is. Hard to spell. Uh, but, it, uh, but it means to be generous or forgiving, um, especially towards a rival or a less powerful person. And... I, I see that that in society, um, and unfortunately, it's affected Christians too. We we look for opportunity of gain, uh, or opportunity to um, uh, to get more out of the deal, or whatever. Uh, to maybe maybe for some of us, we feel like, well, I I deserve, I deserve to hold on to bitterness. I I deserve to foster um, unforgiveness, and yeah. It, yeah. It, it's it's not a magnanimous. Uh, virtue, which we should espouse. Yeah, if you go through life saying, I want my pound of flesh, mm. and the minute I have the opportunity, right now I don't have the upper hand. Right now I don't have the power. But when I get the power, when I get the upper hand, I'm getting my pound of flesh. Mm. You live that way, it'll destroy your life. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll eat you from the inside out, just like a cancer. Yeah, wow. Um, speaking of forgiveness, you mentioned... Corey Ten Boom, 
Now that's a weird name. Is he a rapper or something? Or uh, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, we <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about Corey Ten Boom and why did you include her in your message? Well, Corey Ten Boom, a, a very famous survivor of the Holocaust, and beautiful, beautiful Christian lady, wrote some wonderful books and mm. wonderful speaker. Uh, I mentioned a, a little fun quote of hers that. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, speaking of forgiveness, it says that God forgives our sins and will cast our sins into the depth of the sea and remember them no more. Mm. It was Corey Ten Boone who tagged that passage. She said, and God puts up a no fishing sign. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It means that when we forgive others, we forgive like God forgave us. It goes to the bottom of the sea, and we don't go fishing. Yeah. We don't pull it back up. But what Corey Ten Boone, what a great example of someone who had been forgiven much, but she forgave much. Yeah, yeah. She had that, that attitude of being magnanimous. Um, the Hiding Place, isn't that the book she wrote? Yes, yeah. that was her famous book. Yeah, and uh, I bet you could watch it for free on Netflix or something. But uh, You were telling me a story about her uh, at forgiveness. Yeah. Did you share that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's at the end of the book. I just it, It's a touching story because it really talks about the, the brass bolts of forgiveness. She was... She was preaching her message of forgiveness because she was an evangelist. God made her an evangelist. And, uh, and she said, then I saw this man coming towards me because she was greeting people at the end of the, the service. And she said that, that she grew cold or that she, she, she saw that this man was the same guard that uh, berated and was so cruel uh, to all these females at, uh, at, at Ravensbrook. And, and uh, uh, her, her own sister, Betsy, died at this uh, concentration camp. Um, and so the man came up to her and, and he took, put his hand out as if to shake her hand. And he said, sister, isn't it true? Isn't it wonderful, the love of God and how he can forgive us all, no matter what? Something like that. And she said, his hand hung there for the longest time. I didn't want to shake it. I was, I was just filled with every memory and of, uh, of anger and bitterness and, and even hatred. And, but she said, I, I went ahead and shook his hand anyway. because And she said, at that moment, I just uh, fell apart and just loved him because God did forgive him, even as he forgave me. And, uh, and they had a wonderful time of fellowship. Beautiful story. Yeah, powerful story of forgiveness. If she can forgive that, Sean, surely we can forgive Absolutely. those who sinned against us. Yeah. Yeah, Paul makes it clear that, that the final virtue that ties them together, as we were just talking about, is love. Um, I find it interesting. You know, why, why did he include that as kind of a standalone? Uh, I mean, aren't the other virtues kind of specific expressions of love? It is clear at the very end when he says, over all these virtues, he points back to the previous six over all these virtues, put on love. It's like an overcoat. Mm. It goes over everything. Why? Because love binds them all together in perfect unity. There is something binding about love. Mm. When you think about it, how can you do any of the other six if you don't love? Mm. It's the motivating factor for all the other virtues. In other words, Sean, if I don't love you, 
I'm not going to show you compassion. Yeah. If I don't love you, I'm not going to be kind or gentle or patient with you. Without love, it's like the others fall apart. Yeah. But with love, it's love that empowers them, kind of fuels those other uh, virtues to actually come alive. Without wow. love, we're nothing. Yeah, yeah. Almost I, sounds like First Corinthians 13, yeah. doesn't it? Faith, hope, and love. Yeah. And the greatest of these is love. Wow. And without love, you know, I can do all these miracles. I can do all these things. But without love, just, you know, a gonging sound. Yeah. Empty, fruitless. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. What a great message. Thank you so much, Rick. Um, hey, what else is going on here at Grace? We are excited about Easter. Uh, Resurrection weekend is coming April 3rd and 4th. We do have a Saturday night service as well as the two Sunday morning services focusing in on uh, the incredible resurrection of Jesus. And this year we're going to be looking specifically at at the role of a lady named Mary Magdalene mm. and the, the important role that she played on Easter weekend. We're also going to be having a baptismal service. Anyone interested in Christian baptism, please, please contact us. We want to tell you how you can experience it. And, you know, one of the things, Sean, this Sunday, we have a very special guest speaker. Hmm. Really? Who you might... happen to know who that might be? You know, I think I met him. I think his name times. is Sean Lee. <laughs> hey, I'm excited that Sean is going to be preaching. What What are you going to talk about Sunday? Well, we're going to continue on uh, the series, Raising the Bar. I appreciate you letting me talk about this. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage out of uh, that continuation, Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17. And uh, I get to look at the, we, you, you set us up with the, uh, the clothing virtues, and now we're going to find out, all right, how are we going to, how is this actually going to fit, and what does this really mean for us? As, yeah, as I want to encourage people to come and watch. How does this idea of unity grow out of these virtues? I appreciate you letting me talk about it. That's great. Thank you, Rick. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.